episode on the Chronicles of Truth. Tonight we got a special guest named Michael Boston. I cannot yeah. wait to talk to him in a little bit. And also, if you guys have been following the pastor story, our week, um, uh, <laughs> something to find out, that girl that was in the video with him was his wife's best friend's daughter. But that'll be a story for another time. I just wanted y'all to know that. But here's a little thing for Boston. Born in the musical renaissance of the 80s, Michael Bostick was born and raised to Melody's love and lyrics. Growing up, Bostick adored his father and gained his love of music through him as his father sang every day when they were at home. As an avid listener and lover of both R&B and hip-hop, Bostick grew up and admired Joe Scott, Marquette Houston, Joe, Jada Kiss, and Eminem. Growing up, Bostick became musically trained and can play any instrument that is handed to him. He believes becoming musically trained can help in the production of music and developing himself as a vocalist. His defining moment that changed the course of his life forever included him riding in the car with his father and he heard Joe's All the Things a Man Won't Do. And he decided he wanted to make music. He wanted to make music that touches people's hearts. His first appearance on stage was in 2010 at the Bungalow Lounge in Queens, New York, where he began to tone his skills and his stage presence following that he performed at the Bowery Poetry Club, Walker Soundstage, and making his way to current-day sounds of Brazil, a.k.a. Sob. In 2016, Bostic released his classic Love Story that was a project reminiscent of those that influenced him. His musical silence was a tribute to those that set the tone for R&B today. Unfortunately, in the beginning of 2017, Bostic went to prison for 18 months on disclosed charges, given him the time to not only reflect on his life choices, but his actions going forward with music. Coming out in 2018, he aligned himself with Live Johnson and Every Dollar Counts production group, splitting ties with his former music label. With his latest single confused on digital retailers, Bostic made the decision to re-release a love story to give the audience the full experience that is Michael Bostic. Wow. Mm. And as you all know, Every Dollar Counts appeared on Let's Talk About It with rap superstar Note 82. I cannot wait to hear more about Michael. And this may come from Every Dollar Counts. You know it's going to be fire. Everybody, please welcome Michael Bostic. Hey. Hey, hey, everybody. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, Taylor. Just, you know, enjoying this brisk, cold New York weather. Mm-hmm. Woo! Well, let's pray that it stays brisk and we don't be getting, like, the storms because I don't think I can handle it this year. No. They're they, they talking about some crazy rain tomorrow, so we're going to see. Mm. We're going to see. Why you got to say rain? <laughs> I know, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hating it. I don't want to be stuck in the house. But that's what it's looking like tomorrow. Oh, boy. Okay, well, if I do decide to go out, I'll make sure I bundle up extra clothes because I've been being caught nothing but rain. But anyway, welcome to the show. I'm glad to have you on. And Thank let me you. tell you, your album, Love Story, is amazing. Like, mm, Thank you. No Thank problem. you so much. Mm-hmm. Now, when I first listened to it, I'm getting all types of vibes. I'm getting the 90s vibe, and I'm getting that chill smoothness from it. I just, I love uh-huh. every single song. Off of Thank you. And you're also bringing back um, a different type of um, flavor that we used to have back in the 90s. Like, well, all artists are bringing that back into this genre, but I really feel like people who have experienced 
real R&B from the beginning have a very special touch to it. Can you tell us yes. a love story? Um, so basically, um, conceptually, it started back in 2014. I had just maybe moved to um, Atlanta, Georgia at that time, maybe about two or three years earlier. And I went out there to really get into the music scene and it wasn't happening for me. So I went to the store, bought a computer, got a microphone, got everything I kind of needed to just kind of like set up my own little home studio. And I said, I want to talk about how I'm feeling today. Mm. And it continued like as I got instrumentals and I started writing and doing a lot of that, a lot of the, the, the things that were happening to me at that time um, I wrote about. So I wrote about 30 or 40 songs for that project and recorded, I'd say I recorded about 25 of them. And out of those 25, I picked those six because those represented exactly what I was going through in the time span of when I started writing it to mm. when I finished it. Mm. Wow, that is very interesting. Um, what were you going through during that time period? Um, I was just recently married. So I was in a very happy space. Um, uh, you know, just things were going well for me as far as like my career and, 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 and life itself was good. And, and I just wanted to express, you know, the love for the lady in my life. So mm -hmm. that, that, that album is basically dedicated to her because she really was the, the muse for that. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like at that time, and even though we're not together now, you know, she definitely was the concept behind a love story. You know what I'm saying? I wanted everybody to, to understand what I was feeling that that especially in music that it doesn't always have to be about um uh clubs and 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 doing this that love still does exist mm -hmm. you know so that's really what I went through for that project like it was very very autobiographical mm, definitely like it you were you you were very fluent with how this album came out it's like telling a story because each song like had a meaning to it um, mm -hmm. Who can describe your artistry using three words? What would they be and why? Um, my artistry, three words. Hmm. I would go with autobiographical, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, deep, because my music I feel is very deep and very relatable as well. It's relatable. Right. Mm hmm. Mm. Have any of your fans come and say, oh, man, I could really relate to your song here? Like, It's it's funny. I've had um, the last track on the, um, the album, Tell Me, was mm -hmm. actually influenced by my best friend mm -hmm. who was going through something at the time. That's why it's the saddest song on the, the album. And he called me up on the phone. And he told me what he was going through. And I literally got off the phone with him wrote the song, recorded the song in about an hour and then sent it back to him. And he was like, yo, bro, this is crazy. Like, this is exactly what I'm feeling. And I couldn't really express it in words to you, but you got it. So I get that a lot. I also get a lot of the, um, oh, I got pregnant by one of your songs. or one of, I always get that a lot too. Uh, I, I do get that. So that's, I mean, I'm very, very humbled. I'm very flattered by that. 
I never would have I never would have expected that type of reaction coming from my music, but you know, I do appreciate it. I do appreciate it. Mm. Well, I was warned too that your music could get somebody pregnant. And as soon as I heard it, I'm like, oh snap. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely it definitely wasn't what I was going for. But like I said, I'm, I'm humbled and, and very appreciative that, you know, I'm able to help people along in their relationships in that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the best compliment that you can get is that you are an inspiration with your music. And at the same time, <laughs> you can get your songs make people get pregnant. Now, that's how you know yeah. you got it. I had to yeah, I, I was told like don't stand too close to a guy because if you're playing Michael Bostick, you you, you, you ended up pregnant again the night I'm not Yeah, I just That's like I, I'm like, are y'all sure? And then I listen to it, I'm like, oh man. And then I'm, I'm playing it over <laughs> and over again. I'm just like, hmm, this is this because really that that's my ish right there. It's just a good R and B song puts me in a good mood. Absolutely. It's talking about love because, like you said, some people, it doesn't have to be about going to the club, popping bottles, like, oh, I met this shorty in the club, did X, Y, Z until the morning, and then I never heard from her again. Basically, history in your head, and then you just do it again with random females. It was telling a story, like, this is how I met her. It's beautiful and soulful. Like, seriously, keep on doing that and keep making music that will keep making women pop out these babies because. <laughs> we need a little more love in the world, you know. So exactly. I, when I when I wrote the album, that was my that was my idea. My idea was to be. Mm-hmm. Oh. Else was doing, so I was I made sure that I was more or less um, making mm-hmm. sure that I stayed away from that type of music, the the club music, that type of stuff. Like I. I strayed away from that purposely where I could have easily done it, but I just, I, I wanted to do something that was reminiscent of what I love and would exactly. also be like positive for people. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. As opposed to just hearing the same God, same old stuff over and over again. Love, like love. And yeah, that is good that you step outside that, that zone. Like, well, that's everybody's comfort zone. Because when they want to talk about it, it's like, oh, we could just talk about going to the club. Yeah. That. No, when you dig down deep into what you want a message to be, and it's, it's about love, and you're not you're straying away from the path that everybody expects you to be, it's something beautiful. Because, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely. What was the first song you ever written? I love to tell it. The first, the first song I ever wrote, I wrote when I was nine years old. It's a song called Kids. And it was basically about, um, mu- music basically was my outlet for when I was going through things when I was younger. I was bullied as a child. Um, you know, I, I used to, instead of taking a bus, I would walk a mile and a half home. This is nine, 10 years old. Now I'm walking a mile and a half, almost two miles home every day because I didn't want to get on the bus because the kids was trying to beat on me and everything like that. I didn't, I didn't dress the same way. I didn't act the same way. So... Um, I music was my outlet, so I wrote the song uh, "Kids" that really talked about how I was feeling as, as far as being bullied and 
you know, why do kids do this to other kids? Why is this? And it was really my outlet. It's really what saved my life from doing things that I, I, sh I would have done had I not had music in my life. You know what I'm saying? So that mm. was the very first song, wow. a song called Kids. Oof. Mm. Man. How long were you... Now that, okay, now that's a topic I really got into you about that. How long were you, were you bullied for? Um, I was bullied from about, I'd say seven mm -hmm. years old to maybe about 12. So not really long, but long enough to the point where I saw mm -hmm. a, a significant change in how I behaved, you know? So I, I know being bullied changed me, but it also, I also, um, was able to, um, understand that you know music was a great outlet in that aspect you know what i'm saying especially what i was mm -hmm. doing musically at the time at nine and ten years old and it was definitely one of those things that i um had i not had right. that things could have right. been totally different for me at this point in time did your parents you know? know yeah they did they knew they knew uh they might not have known right right away, but they knew. You know, they I, I was very open um, with, with my parents about what I was going through. But there was only so much you could do at that time. You know, it was kids being kids. And sometimes, you know, parents may think, oh, he's just over-exaggerating. It's just kids being kids or whatever. But, you know, I, I really, I, I was one of those kids with the, that oh, type of bullying you would see on TV. I was thrown in lockers swirlies in the bathroom you know uh, uh signs kick me signs on your back those, oh. those kind of things that you see on tv that was what was actually happening to me you know i would get chased by the football team things like that like literally to the point where i was like i didn't want to get on the bus to school days i didn't even want to go to school you know like those type of things so they knew my parents knew um, I don't mm -hmm. think they understood how bad it was until I got older. But by the time I got older and I really explained to them, I was way over it. But the person that I was, I was already changed. You know, like I was a different person already by then. Like my mental state and how I reacted to people and how I, I treated people was differently at, at that point. Because I, I had vowed I would never let anyone do that to me again so like even now how I am now like I don't allow certain people to talk to me a certain way or try to tell me things a certain way or whatever the case is because I don't allow that and, and, and it even goes to my son now even with my son like I'm the first person up in the school as soon as he tells me somebody did something to him you know I, I'm one of those parents that will always be at my son's school they know who I am they know how I get down so it's never an issue so and I'm a big advocate on bullying in schools and everything like that like I I, I mm. that's one of those things that I, I'm very passionate about mm. you know and trying to end that mm, you know definitely so, so that's a nah it was a big it's just a big thing for me at this point like it's one of the things that I'm working on uh, with, mm. with the school at this time is is, is the bullying How are you trying and stuff like that. To, so um, reach kids or even adults because adults can be bullied as well on bullying. Well, absolutely. I, I especially with the kids. You know, I, I try the kids that I do that I am able to talk to, especially uh, the high school age. That when I do see them or whatever, like uh, at my job when they come to my job, and you know, mm -hmm. I speak to them and I tell them like, you know, there's outlets that you can have 
to express your feelings beyond you know the 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 suicide and and the the, the fighting and the gangs and all that there's different outlets you have music you have art you know you can talk to somebody anybody i tell the kids all the time y'all can come and talk to me you know what i'm saying like at any time and even with the parents my biggest thing especially with my son going through what he's going through my son's only five years old but even though he's going through that you want me me and my um the mother of my child wanted to um kind of nip it in the bud early before it got out of hand because yeah. it, it may not be bullying it may just be kids being kids right now but we just want to make sure that listen this is what he's coming home saying to us so we just want to make everyone aware that we're not the type of parents that's going to sit around and just let it go you know what I'm saying so I talk to my thing the parents now is to tell parents is to stay involved with your kids stop dropping your kids off at 7.30 in the morning and picking them up at 5.30, letting the after-school care take care of them, speak to your children, find out what they have going on. Me and Mikey, we talk every day. I say, Mikey, how was your day in school? Anything happened in school? I see you got this on your shirt. Did anybody do this to you? It, it, what, what happened? What's going on? How is, is the teacher treating you right? Like, talk to your children. Don't just sit there and let the after-school program do their homework and then you see them, you give them a shower mm -hmm. at night, you put them in the bed and then you wake up in the morning, it's routine. No, engage with engage with your child. Anybody exactly. who's listening who has a child, stay engaged with your child because that's the only way you'll be able to stop and combat anything that's going on mm -hmm. to them. That's, that's your way of protecting them because between the hours of 7 and 2.30 or 3 o'clock, they're in school. And then when they leave school and if they have after school program, if you don't pick them up or whatever, or they go to a babysitter, that's another whole person that's watching them and caring for them. So they have all of these people influencing them and, and, and talking to them and doing these things. So you want to kind of figure out what's going on. And children will tell you, like they're not gonna, at, at young ages, they're not gonna be ashamed to tell you. You know what I'm saying? My son will tell me like, yo, somebody hit me. You know what I'm saying? Somebody slapped me. You will tell me. You know, like, so I, as long as you stay engaged as a parent, then that's how you're helping them. You know, make your child feel comfortable enough to come and talk to you. Don't brush them off. Don't say, oh, it's nothing. Don't worry about it. Like, if they come to you with a concern, you, you take that seriously. You know? And so that's that's my mm -hmm. little way of kind of like fighting. I haven't mentioned you know? for that because that is very important. Mm hmm. It's, it's very important. How you doing? Uh, the yeah. fact that you bring that up, that the, parent, the parents need to be more engaged instead of letting after-school programs like um, talk to their children about it, raise their, chi their children on it, it's important that they're hearing it from the adults that they are around 24 hours well, all the time, all right, mm -hmm. until you're 18 years old. Because no one else is going to know you, is going to know your child better than yourself because you gave birth to this child. You need to know what is going on. Speaking Absolutely. From, yeah, speaking from that, even from that perspective, I'm I myself was bullied from the time I was three to twelve. Well, three to twelve to 14, three to twelve to fourteen years old. And my mother, wow. she would want to know what's going on because it happened around our house. It happened in school, and well, she would get phone calls every other day, and she would tell me like, uh -huh. "What is going on? Who said this? Who did that? Who do I need to talk to?" I want to know what's going on here because this is not going to keep happening. Yeah. And until she decided, it's like, you know what, she's going to go to a different school. She took me out and that happened for the best. But she was involved. 
still from that moment because she knew what a struggle it was for me as a better day. And right. more parents need to be minutes. that way. Because today, it's more about like, oh, just put your kid into this program or just give them a tablet. It's all good. It's really, these days, no no child is safe anywhere. Absolutely. Day, it would it'd be face-to-face bullying, but now bullying follows you home. It's on the internet. And nobody's talking about what we hear in the news, but yep. what are what is anybody doing to make sure that this is being nipped in the bud? Absolutely. And it's very it's very hard to combat cyberbullying because it's one of those things where now you can be anonymous, you know what I'm saying? Or, you know, like they're just now coming out with laws against it and things like that. But like it's just very, very hard. And, like, that's why you have to really pay attention to what your kids are doing. Like, and you, it's good that you spoke on the tablets <laughs> because my son is addicted to that tablet. You know, he's addicted to it. And so, like, I, I'm now putting educational stuff on the tablet for him. So if he wants to play on the tablet, then he has to do educational stuff on the tablet before he gets to play. So, you know, like I said, there's there's ways to combat certain things. Like, I, but I, I also would rather him you know, be on the tablet exactly. or be on a video game or something and being out in the street when he gets older. So, you know, you, 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 there's pros and cons to everything, but, you know, it's just how you monitor it and how you, you know, you handle situations as a parent or even as a friend or as, you know, whatever the case is, like, if you, no, even no, as a friend, no, if you no, see no. someone getting bullied, you don't turn your head to it. You know what I'm saying? You help your friend, help your per- help the person that's in need, like, I'm, I'm quick to stop people in the street that I see people picking on homeless people. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm quick for that. Like, yo, leave, leave that person alone. Like, don't, like, what is that person doing to you? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I'm, I'm quick for that. Like, I don't see it often, exactly. but when I do see it, I I step in. You know what I'm saying? Women is women the same way. If I see somebody uh, harassing a woman, I'm quick to step in. And like I said, I don't see it often, but when I see it, I will step in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's Nipping just, it's all bud. about how you handle your business. Nip it, nip it right in the bud. Yeah. Absolutely. Don't, don't be messing. Don't be messing with old people. Don't be messing with women. Old people. Old people. That's a big one. Don't be. Don't be messing with the elderly because. Shit. <laughs> Ooh, I'd be in jail. I'd be in jail. Because <laughs> that's just, that's somebody's yep. grandmother. That's somebody's grandfather. Yeah. Wouldn't would you want someone to do that to? Absolutely. Your, to your grandmother yep. or grandfather? Absolutely. Not. So why are you on the street picking on someone who can't nope. defend themselves? And then there are some. Then there are some people. Some elderly people who were mm-hmm. just like you couldn't, you couldn't, because you know we got some of them, we got some of them sassy grandmas who will play you out quick. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, since we're talking about lessons, absolutely. What are some of the lessons you've learned while being in the music industry? I now I ask this question often with um with my guests, and especially in the music industry because because. Mm-hmm. When we see it on TV, we just think everything is all cool, calm, and collected. Everything is all good, but we never really get to mm-hmm. know the person behind the music. So, tell me a little bit. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest things I've learned is that everybody is not mm-hmm. who they seem to be. So you always have to be very, very weary about people exactly. and how they are around you. One of the things I've learned is that people are, are, a lot of people are out to get money from you as an artist. So you have to be very careful dealing with people who 
are not genuinely here to help you grow or more or less see you for the money that you're going to be able to put out. That's why sometimes you can't act a certain way around people. So for instance, say you're new and you want to come into the game and you see somebody kind of move in a certain way. You can't act as if, you know, you're desperate or or you they're the greatest thing on earth because they'll right. prey on that. You know what I'm saying? They're like, oh, I see, I see this dude will pay me whatever I want him to pay me to to, you know what I'm saying, get this service when I'm charging other people something else. So you always mm. have to watch out for that. And w- another big thing that I learned is you gotta keep business and mm, friendships. Yes. Yes. I've I've lost I lost a good friend recently, very recently, who helped helped me in my career a lot. Now I'm I won't take that away from him. He helped me a lot in my career. But he he dogged me in a way because he took the friendship and used it as part of the business and oh. we should have kept that separate. So anything that we did friendship wise shouldn't have mm. had nothing to do with the music. And we don't even speak anymore. And this is somebody that I call a brother. And I don't call mm-hmm. everybody brother. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're if you're my bro, I consider you family, I call you my bro, you're my family. Like you're literally my brother. So this was a dude that I call my brother that we don't even speak anymore. So that that's a big lesson that I've learned. It's like business and friendship has to be separate. Has to be. How long did you know this person for? Um, I've known him for about oh, three so or four time. years. No. Yeah, and we we connected instantly. Like like once he had heard uh, a song of mine, it was like the connection was there. He was like, "Yo, bro, listen, got you." You know, he had a radio station. You know, he was on the radio. He always had me on. You know, anything I needed, you know, music-wise, a placement, something like that, he'd do his best to get it for me. But, you know, that 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 kind of went to the wayside right. after everything happened. Right. You know? yeah. um, not going too much into detail, how did the friendship come to end? Was it, was it verbal or was it, you know how we like to be, like, on electronics just to say, like, yeah, and just say what we want to say, yeah. Um, so basically, um, it was it, we basically had a conversation after you know certain things were said or whatever uh, behind each other's back or whatever. We 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 he texted me one morning and um, we talked, or I I actually let him talk. I just kind of listened. He kind of was trying to like belittle me and berate oh. me, but I wasn't having it. And. Um, you know, once he was finished, you know, I said, listen, you know, whenever you're ready to kick it, you know what I'm saying? You want to have a real conversation, we can have it. And he was like, all right, whatever, F you, all of that, blah, blah, blah. And then 10 minutes later, you want to come back. Well, I think it's funny that you, and I'm like, nah, bro, you said your piece, you said you was done. It's a wrap. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We don't got to talk no more. So that's that's pretty much how it ended there. I, I, I seen him in passing one day. Uh, and, you know, he was talking a lot. And when he saw me, you know what I'm saying? He, kind of looked the other way so we already know what that's about you know all that that jibber jabber talk and then you know when you see somebody yeah. you go the other way so 
you know, it is what it is. You know, I guess he wasn't expecting to see me, even though I'm, I, I go by his house almost every day or whatever. So, you know, he knows, he knows I'm there, but you know, he, you know, it is what it is. It's, it's not really a loss to me. You know what I'm saying? Cause I, I believe that people come into your life for a reason and exactly. for a season. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So he, he did, he did what he did for me for the time that he had to do it. And right. now his time has passed. You know what I'm saying? So now it's I moved on from it. Hopefully he's moved on from it and we can be better people because of it. You know what I'm saying? It's lessons learned. So that's just how I view it at this okay. point. What were some other um other people that you've had to like cut off in the past due to like if they had if well in the music industry because like you said, not everybody's out for our best interest. You you said that you left mm-hmm. you left your recent label. What did that have to do with? Mm-hmm. Well, that was oh, basically this okay. situation here. That that was that was he was like the head of the the, the label or whatever, and because of that, I I, I I moved on. It was it was that was a long time coming anyway. Not for anything for personal reasons, just business wise. It was time for me to move on. It was a, a joint venture between his label and EDC when right. I first joined EDC. But EDC was moving and the label wasn't. So I, I was like, you know, it, personally and, and and business-wise, it makes sense for me to kind of just stick right. with EDC at this point. And that was, it just all happened all at once, even though it wasn't supposed to happen that way. Mm. That's how it happened. So basically yeah. it was like a blessing in disguise almost. Absolutely, absolutely. Because once that happened, a lot of things as far as my career started moving. You know, so that just goes to show you that people can be keep you in a spot because that's where they're at, and they don't want you to move the same way that 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 you know everybody else is moving. They want you to be stuck where yeah. they're stuck. At, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like they want you on the lower. They exactly they want you low where they're at instead of building you up so that they can build themselves up mm-hmm. with you you know what I'm saying so it, it definitely was a blessing in disguise for me because at, at that certain point I was I was letting everybody kind of pass me by musically like I was just like alright you know I'm gonna let this guy do this and I'm gonna let that guy do that and then I'm gonna just come out when I'm ready to come out and I had been ready to come out I, I went to prison for 18 months mm-hmm. you can't get no more ready than that you know what I'm saying so when I, when I came out mm-hmm. I was already prepared to go but I just I, I sat back and I watched and you know I just let you know everybody kind of just do their thing you know what I'm saying and, and became stagnant because I was waiting on certain things from from him and, and, and just other just a whole bunch of stuff so once that situation was over I was able to move a lot yes. more freely hmm. if you do not mind me asking what why why did you live there for 18 months <laughs> okay so what I'll say on that is don't go out there doing stuff you know you're not supposed to be doing. Now, I know I'm not a drug dealer. I know I could do it, but mm-hmm. I know that's not my life. When I got when I got to Atlanta, I thought I could do it all. So when I went out and tried to do it all, mm. I got caught. You know, so... You know, I, I knew I wasn't supposed to be doing that, especially a, a, a freshly married man mm-hmm. with a child. You know what I'm saying? Like, I knew I, was, I wasn't supposed to be out here doing what I was doing, but I just figured I could do it. So, mm. I paid for it. 
what happened when you went to jail? Did when you were charged and then you went away for 18 months, what did that do to your mental state? And you said that when you were when you were behind bars, it gave you time to think. When you first got there, did you feel mm-hmm. scared? Did you think like, oh my gosh, how could I have done this? Were you and your wife fighting? Yeah, that was basically. I think the biggest thing for me, more or less, was leaving was leaving my son and my wife. I wasn't so much scared because I had worked in a prison, so oh, I already okay. kind of knew, like, what to deal with. You know what I'm saying? How to deal with certain situations and things like that. So I wasn't so much af- afraid. Mm-hmm. I was. I felt alone. Um, I was very lonely. I missed my family. You know, I, I, um, I dealt with a lot of. Um, self-worth issues like I felt like I was worthless like why am I here um I don't deserve to be here you know what I'm saying like those types of things like um but I did find out a lot about myself personally um I didn't do any music while I was locked up I didn't write anything I didn't even really think about music I really just took that time Mm -hmm. and focused on myself and um tried to figure out who I was and what I wanted once I got out of it, you know what I'm saying? So I took that 18 months and just reflected. Like I went to my past and thought about all the things that I did in my past and thought about my future and what I wanted to do with my future. And um, the one thing I did do when I was locked up in prison was I learned a few new instruments. So I started learning the piano, a little bit of the guitar. Um, I played the drums a little bit while I was there. So I, I did keep myself productive, but it was just, it was very hard very hard um emotional to to be in a spot like i was in a, a prison camp mm-hmm. behind any bars which made it worse because the only thing stopping me from i'm sorry what? picket fence i'm sorry you got a little you got cut off um could you could you start again please a picket fence like a fence that you can just open up oh, okay. like a fence that you have in front of your house the only thing that stopped me from walking out and just walking home like go, walking out of the jail walking up the block catching the bus to the airport and then getting on a plane and going home was a picket fence so imagine how that that mm-hmm. what that does to you mentally because you know you can't leave but you know that you can so it's not like being behind bars where you're locked in you can't leave mm. well, I could leave you know what I'm saying? And I knew there was times that I wanted to. There was times that I knew I could get away with it. There was times that I knew if I walk out at this certain time, I'd have enough time to get to where I need to get before they would even right. notice that I was gone. But I never did. Because I, I said the consequences of that would be worse. You know what I'm saying? One, Because they're going to catch me. So all I was trying to do was go home and be with my son and, and my wife for a little bit. Like, it didn't make sense. But mentally, that messed me up because I was like, yo, I really want to go home. There was times where I would go to the fence and open it and, like, walk. And I'm like, nah, I can't do it. So that messed me up mentally. But as time went on and I got routine and started doing things on a daily basis and the days started going faster and faster, it was so much easier. Mm. So much easier. Because if you had walked out, like, you would not have learned anything from... No. Nothing. And for all you Nothing. know, like walking out of there, yeah, it could have been way worse. 
and he probably would have gotten more absolutely absolutely oh. they would attack five more years on but just walking out so it, it oh, wouldn't be worth it it wasn't definitely. worth it definitely I'm glad you didn't make well, that choice even though even though that's mm-hmm. hard to deal with that that type of punishment but it did help you mm-hmm. absolutely now did you absolutely. talk to anybody well obviously you were talking to your wife you were talking to your son their friends that you kept in contact mm-hmm. with during that time that held you down mentally emotionally I know you were friends with live and Notes eighty two. Were they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I didn't know oh. notes at the time when um when I was locked up. But me, I've known live for almost mm. 12, 13 years now. And it's crazy. I didn't tell live that I was getting locked up until about mm-hmm. a week before I went in. Only because I didn't want too many people to know, but I didn't want to disappear. And they were looking for me. You know what I'm saying? So I let him know. I let my friend Blackout know. I let um, my uh, former manager know uh, what was going on. Um, I really didn't stay in contact with them. And it's crazy. I just talked to Rob about this the other day. It was just like more or less. um, I didn't really want to know what was going on on the outside while I was in. That was just going to make me antsy. So I kind of strayed away from like the the outside world and everything. I talked to my mom almost daily. Um, I did stay in contact um, with my my one of my boys, Jamal Jones, who was also on the EP. Um, I talked to him about once a month. Um, he, he was telling me about a lot what he was going through, uh, fallout of his uh, relationship um, and things like that. Um, so I was able to give him a lot of comfort and, and advice. And he did the same thing while I was in, so it was like, it was cool. But other than that, I didn't really, I didn't really speak to anybody. I spoke to my dad. I would call him once in a while. Um, but no, I, I really stayed away from the outside world um, when I was locked up because it would just make me antsy. I was like, well, all this stuff is going on without me. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. I, I, I knew I was, I was only gonna be there for a short amount of time. I said, yo, I can push through this this 18 months you know what I'm saying I can I, it's easy it'll be fine you know what I'm saying I didn't have a phone I didn't have a cell phone I weaned myself off of Facebook I didn't have no Facebook no social media and everybody around me in the prison had it everybody had a cell phone in prison everybody could talk to their family daily on their phone everything I stayed mm. away from all of it so I didn't want to know like I didn't want to get caught in that life you know what I'm saying like I'm trying to hide this and do that and then have to worry about this and mm. then no Stay away from all of it until right until the day I got out. Mm. The day I walked out. And when you got back to your cell phone, I bet that was just like a different world for you. Like, it 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 was funny when I got home. Um, I remember I was I was with my um my wife, my now ex-wife, and um we went somewhere. I think it was the botanical gardens, right? And we, I was taking pictures and everything. I hadn't taken no pictures. I was fresh faced. I just shaved. I had this monster beard from prison. <laughs> like I hadn't shaved in like maybe like 10, 11 months. It was crazy. Just shaved off. So I was looking nice. I was feeling clean and everything. I was taking pictures. She said, why don't you boomerang a picture? I said, what the hell is boomerang? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, what is that? And then she showed me, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. But this it goes to show you that 18 months, uh-huh. so much had changed. And so much that I didn't know about that was just 
I, I'm very tech savvy, you know, and I, I didn't know nothing about that. You know, it was just weird. It was just, mm-hmm. okay, cool. You, you lived know? in a prison for like 18 months and you basically were like the black monk of black monk of the family. Absolutely. I absolutely treated myself that way. I literally, I went without, I, I went without a haircut. I had dreaded mm-hmm. my hair for a little bit. I had a long, the nice thick beard. Uh, I was working out every day until I had, uh, I had tore my Achilles playing ball. I was working out every day. I had lost like 60 pounds. I went when I went in, I was about 265. At my lowest, I was like 205 or 206, something like that. I was every day working out, walking eight miles a day, listening to music, just keeping myself occupied and busy so my mind wasn't all over the place. Um and uh I went ahead and just messed all that up. Mm-hmm. Oh. The eating and everything. I had went almost I was almost vegan in prison. I wouldn't touch no meat. I, I think, like, I would have a little bit of meat here and there, but, like, I wouldn't eat no wow. meat. I eat number of vegetables. Number mm. of vegetables. You were the black yeah. vegan monk. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Are you still the same way today? Um, I don't... I still don't eat meat as much. I will get a burger once in a while. Um, even tonight, I just, I had beets for dinner. I didn't eat nothing but beets. That's it. That's just what I was in the mood for. If when I eat meat, sometimes I, I, I don't feel right. And I knew today was one of those days. If I ate meat, I wouldn't feel right. So it's, I, I do a little bit. Um, when I got home, I kind of went pescatarian. So I was eating fish a lot. And, um, you know, I, I try to stay as healthy as possible. Um, I just went for a surgery about a month ago, almost a month ago, I had a, a hernia surgery. So now uh, I, didn't, I haven't really been working out like I normally do, but I have been eating better. So I've been keeping the weight off. A lot of people saying my clothes don't fit no more. So I guess I'm doing something right. Mm. Everything is hanging off me now. And I bet you got one of them little yeah. old ladies like, we need to, like, too skinny. We need to fatten you up. Uh, my, my mother tells me, she was like, mm-hmm. she always tells me I look great. She said, you're losing weight. You see it. They see it. My nephews, they they over here for the weekend. My nephew saw me. He said, you lost so much weight. He just looked at me. He said, wow, what happened? You lost so much weight. I was like, thank you. <laughs> thank you, nephew. Thank you. Like, uh, you know, at least they, I see, they see it. They used to make fun oh. of me. They used to jump on my belly. You got a big old belly, Uncle Mike. You got a big old belly. Oh. They don't do that no more. So, you know, I'm grateful. You know, I love, the, I love them, though. So it, it never okay. bothered me. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm proud <laughs> of you, my big black, my big black vegan monk. <laughs> I don't want to call you that for now. <laughs> big black vegan monk. <laughs> okay. That's fine. Um, all right. I'm going to bring you um, this question. How did you become a part of EDC? What do you find is the most valuable concept you learned from working with EDC? And then I got another one that I'm going to ask. Probably going to make you laugh. We'll go all ahead. right. All right, so EDC, um, like I said, I've, I've always been, you know, I've known Live Josh for 12, 13 years, um, and I saw he had put together EDC, and um, it, it just made sense, even though I was already kind of in a label situation. Um, I had went to I went to, to my label head, and initially I told him, I said, listen, we're not really, you know, moving so much, and I know he had a lot of personal things going on. I said, man, let's do a joint thing with uh, EDC. You know what I'm saying? Let's um, let me work with them because they're kind of moving in the direction I want to move. He had no problem with it. He was like, yo, that's fine. 
So that's really how it came about. You know, I went to live. I said, yo, live, listen, what you think? I, I actually went to live before I went to him. I said, yo, live, I've been thinking, what do you think about a joint venture with me, um, EDC and, and, and Voiceless Music? And he was like, yo, I think that's a dope idea. So, you know, I was like, yo, I'm going to just holler at, holler at uh, my manager and we're going to see how that's going to go. And, and we all came to agreement, like, it was going to work. You know, it was going to work. So um, that's really how it went on. And, you know, me and Live, we've made music mm. together for years. So it was nothing for me to just jump right in and, and mm -hmm. get to work, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and you said, what was a, a valuable lesson? I think um, dealing with people. Because me, I, I expect um, people to have right. the same mindset as me. And, and I realized that not everybody thinks the way I think. And not everybody approaches situations the way I approach them. Sometimes I can be very, very aggressive with how I approach a situation because it's just certain things that I expect and certain things that I value when it comes to my music and when it comes to running a business. So um, I learned to deal oh. with people a little bit better. I've learned to deal with people a little bit better because I, I, um, I know that sometimes I'm, I'm I'm not able to really express myself to people without sounding like I'm about to beat you up or, or you know what I'm saying, we're going to take it to the streets. And, and like I said, that's partly the prison still in me, you know, but that's also the upbringing that I've had from being bullied and, and, and doing certain things exactly. to protect myself. So I've learned to kind of like tone that down a little bit when it comes to certain people or when it comes to people in general because like I said not everybody uh, handles situations or, or views nope. situations the same way that I do and, and that happens yeah, so. yeah absolutely so it was a, a very humbling learning lesson for me at that time very good. okay I'm gonna move on to the, well this one's off the top of my head um, I'm Pretty sure right. you are aware of the situation that happened with Pastor Wilson. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, people have been talking <laughs> crazy hard about um, him being on camera, slob slobbing that woman down, uh -huh. and the, it's his wife's best friend's uh -huh. daughter. Um, do you think that people are kind of being hypocritical because he's being a pa he's a pastor? Or do you think that he should have known better than to let this woman record him on camera? He definitely should have known better uh, about the recording. But at the same time, he's a man. And, and the biggest problem I have is that if he's having issues at home with, with his wife, they sh as as a man, not only just as a pastor, but as a man, he should have spoken to her and let mm. her know what the situation was. Um, mm -hmm. These were mistakes that I made in my own relationship, so that's why I can I, I, I can speak from experience on that. Um, you, he should have gone to her and spoke on it and said, "Yo, listen, this is what I want because I'm I'm not getting it, but this is what I want." You know what I'm saying? And it was wrong on all fronts for him to do it, but I also think people are taking it out of proportion because a lot of those same people that are talking about right. him are doing but the same thing. But they don't thing. have a title. So you got to keep it. Yeah, they don't have a title. They people put pastors on a pedestal, 
they they see the title pastor and they feel like oh you're above that and blah 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 listen at, at uh-huh. before anything he's a man you know what I'm saying before anything just like before uh-huh. anything she's a woman so you have to treat them that way because I my old pastor he's uh-huh. in Atlanta he's from New York so I already I already know how he gets down regardless of his him being a pastor or whatever I already know that if it, he has to protect himself or he has to do something he's gonna go to the street with it I already know because I just know his mental we've spoken about it so before anything he's a man now whether or not he allows the 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 demons or whatever it is that he believes in to overtake his the godliness in him that's different but we just need to my biggest thing is that we need to stay out of people's business that's that's the biggest thing to be honest with you even if it's out there on front street i heard about the pastor thing and i watched it and i kind of just shrugged my shoulder I'm like yo why is everybody making a big deal about this guy going down on some woman when everybody over here is probably <laughs> doing that right now everybody's talking about it got a yeah. date to do it you know what i'm saying you about to call up shorty you about to call up shorty right now and be like yo listen i'm, I'm coming yeah. through you know what i'm saying like just off of that video so like why are you why are we criticizing this man like his biggest issue was he should have spoken to his wife and he should have never let her go on camera with it because you know she on camera you, there's no way she hiding yeah you know what i'm saying so that mm-hmm. that's where he messed up but um I, I like i don't really feel no way about it it's, it is what it is you know i i don't really follow the social media trends and all that like i don't i don't care what these superstars or, or artists or whatever it is i don't i don't I, it doesn't it doesn't phase me what they're doing I, I have my own issues and my own family and everything i gotta worry about to sit here and worry about what these fools got going on on the tv you know what i'm saying <laughs> Okay, and then you're not you're not with the rest of us because I I was I I, I was um, basically uh <laughs> I've been joking about that man all week, but it's crazy though because wasn't yeah, there like two more videos that was that up that same that day? Even, like, related to the issue. That was that was actually some barbecue. And that was yes. what confused me because I saw I knew the pastor joint and then they was yes. talking about some barbecue. Yes. Um, it was. Um, it told me about the. It was a naked barber, right? Uh-huh. And basically, um, guys were getting like service under the um, the um, the, That's the, what... the black the black black sheet. And I'm like, this is not even related to the pastor. Like, why is everybody tripping about these two one second videos? And that's and it's crazy because I remember like, what the heck? Yeah, so, I remember like this flyer going out mm-hmm. about this guy who was giving naked haircuts, like maybe two or three days before. So I was like, yeah related to what it was because like I said I didn't see the video somebody had told me about it and it was just like when on top under the under the sheet I was like yo what yeah. what is going on here like what is going but it was like it's not related to the past the video and then it was some uh, other video yeah. that was out too but it didn't get nearly as much like like coverage no. as the other two videos but yeah, the pastor one was the crazy one. one. It was the title. As soon as somebody sees the word pastor, it's like, oh, we got to get into this. But nobody's talking about that the naked barbershop basically recorded on camera that people not only getting haircuts, they're also getting nervous under the sheet. Yes. That's wild, though. 
Like, that's wild. Okay. Like, <laughs> I can't even imagine that shit. Like, like, you want to download, that's cool. But what you what you put in your business out there is like, what is this? Yeah, but who's like videoing these things? Like, this is the thing I'll be, I'll be trying to understand. Like, who's videoing these things and why are people allowing in the video? Because when you have controversial stuff like that, you must believe that mm-hmm. this is going to get out to the public. So when you when you allow people like I understand like I, I like to you know do a little video here and there when I you yeah. know when, when I'm with somebody you know what I'm saying I, that's fine but like when you're doing something wild like that like who's right. allowing this to be video like you know what I'm saying? it's wild like it's crazy to me that people allow that type of that type of stuff to go on and then they don't stop it they're not like yo yo give me a phone like you know what I'm saying like uh, you gotta delete that like you put that on I'ma sue you whatever the case is like these people are out here allowing them to video on them and then I'm allowing them to put them in public and embarrass themselves mm-hmm. by having that out there because now like you said these guys could be on the download or whatever but now the, the, the video done went viral yeah. now they women don't see it and now imagine imagine these dudes are with dudes and yes. then they go home and lay yes, up with their woman like, you see what I'm saying? On. Like, like that's that's kind of iffy. That's kind of it's kind of wild. So it's like, yo, it's like it's, there's le- mm-hmm. there's levels to it. There's layers to it. You know what I'm saying? But you just have to be very, very like. That's why I don't really pay attention to that stuff because once you get into it, you you kind of like fall into that like what, what my ex yes. would say a black hole. You know what I'm saying? So you you watch one video and now you stuck. Now you before you know it, you done you done started off watching hair videos. Now you watching uh uh conspiracy videos about aliens and stuff. How did it get from one extreme to the next? That's how it is. Uh-huh. That's why I kind of just stay away from all that. You could be watching something today about Kim Kardashian and oh, the hour is something totally hard. different. But you, you nah, we ain't gonna talk about Kim because you know what I'm saying, that's a whole different topic for another different day. All all crazy Kanye. But his album is fire though. If you heard his album, the album is fire. But he, he a little cuckoo though. I love Kanye though. He a little cuckoo though. But his album is fire though. The <laughs> album is fire. It's a short. It's a very I short album. Too. But I it's really fire. Liked, I like like how he was very diverse with it and like he kept it kept it about the church. I like like seriously. The Absolutely. Absolutely. He be he be hopping all over the place. Yeah. yeah. He's, a he's a mad genius. He's a mad genius. He's a mad genius. He's a He's a mad genius. He's crazy, but he's he's intelligent at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's so weird, but you know that's that's just him. That's him. <laughs> Absolutely. 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 I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But yes, I don't know why people why people be um well. Oh my god. I, I feel first of all, I feel sorry for them women. Mm-hmm. That's a that'd fact. Be quite, that'd make that's a fact. Question, question the man. I probably Absolutely. my man be like, yo, were you ever in this barbershop? Were you ever in barbershop? this barbershop? Absolutely. Absolutely. And some man was under the blanket with you. And he probably, well, my, my man is strictly hetero. But he'd be like, oh, heck no. Because actually, he'd be the first to tell me, like, yo, this is some crazy shit right here. 
this is what the fuck was going on. Facts. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But um, the one thing, I, one advice that I give to anybody is that if you're going to do any type of recording or allow somebody to record, don't let somebody record something that you're not ready for it to be out in the public. That's just, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're going to do any type of recording, just make sure that you're ready for it to be out in the public. Even if, you know what I'm saying, it's, it's nothing, it's something small. You know what I'm saying? Just be prepared. Like, yo, this could actually mm-hmm. be out here for people to see. You know what I'm saying? So if you're don't not ready for that, don't have it recorded. Mm-hmm. Like these these people out here that that get their they get their quote unquote nudes leaked. You think that's that's done on purpose? Like, nah, they, they actually have people that leak them for clout. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like they want these things to come out so that people can talk they about do them. Anything you know what I'm saying? Clout. So when the regular person does it, exactly. So when a regular person does it, they thinking oh, the Kim Kardashian leaks or the or, or whoever else gets leaked or whatever, it got leaked by accident, so mine get leaked by accident. No, no, yeah. they actually doing it on purpose. You the dummy that's letting them, you the dummy that's doing it, you know what I'm saying? Letting it, you know what I'm saying? So you're embarrassed. They're not embarrassed by it because they know it's, it's going to get them more followers and more fame. You're not getting nothing out of it, but people exactly. laughing at like, you. Don't, don't so... Don't you just have to be very easy. careful. Just because it's working for them doesn't mean, doesn't mean it's going to work for you. And who in the heck would even... Absolutely. What, uh, uh, what would give... Um, who would... I wonder how that barber got the license to open that shop and it's being naked. Isn't that like a health hazard? Well, well I'm sure that... Um, um, it's probably not it probably wasn't advertised to the point where like mm-hmm. people would know about it you know it's probably yeah, one of those secret no, 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 type no. things Actually, you know Michael, what I'm saying like like there is a flyer going around right now of but so I so so that flyer so that flyer was the same uh-huh. so that flyer was the same thing they, they, oh okay they nah all, that's quiet that's quiet yeah, that that's what I thought. I said, nah, this can't be real. I, Cause I saw the flyer. I saw the I, I remember when the flyer was circling. It only had them in two or three days before the actual video came out. So I remember when the flyer, because I was like, yo, what the fuck is going on in Atlanta? You know what I'm saying? Like, what's going on over here? But they they bugging and then when they was talking about the video of the naked barbershop, I was trying to put two and two together, but it, I was like, it, nah, it this wasn't. can't be like, nah, there's no way. But it was the flyer. same thing. I I flyer cutting the hair. Wow. Like it was one of his workers so, under the sheet with the guy. And the dude's just acting like it's just a regular day. He just has eyes closed and all. Yes, and then yeah, they flip wow. the TV in there. Nah, There's that's homeboy just doing his doing the work, doing the work. Yeah. It's, wow. It's, it's a real mess up. Nah. I don't, I'd never that's go to that barbershop. That's for sure. Listen to this right now. Don't know sure. about the naked barbershop after the Pastor Wilson scandal. Do not step your foot up in there. And especially if you, they, they tape it. They tape it. And at, cause they taping one, it. One, yep, one they exposing y'all. Can have your girlfriend wanting to sue you for an STD or you gonna be up in the morgue. Bang. That's a fact. That is a fact. All right, we're going to get off this topic now because I'm really into it now. Okay, tell us about uh, a love story. <laughs> what inspired you to write and push it? Well, like I said, a love story was basically what I was feeling at the time as far as, you know, my wife and, and everything. I was very happy in a very good space. Um, that's why it's very lighthearted. Um, 
I wanted to push it because I thought it was a story that needed mm-hmm. to be told. You know what I'm saying? I, I think, like I said, a lot of people don't. A lot of people feel love is not real oh, anymore. Love okay. is dead. And I wanted everybody to know that you know love is definitely still alive. It's definitely still there. You can definitely achieve it. And also, you know, love is anagram for for a uh, uh, language of various emotions. So that's why throughout the tape you're dealing with various emotions. Like if you see it, there's there's happy, there's sad, there's sexual, there's longing, there's need, there's all of that mixed into one tape. So it, it, it's it. It's very in, indicative of who I am as a person and what I believe love stands for. You know what I'm saying? Even though I I, I am quite a hypocrite when it comes to that because I oh. did do my ex-wife dirty. And I admit that, but, you know, um, I still believe in love and and what, you know, what it really stands for. And, and it's very much something that's very achievable, right. very attainable. I believe that we all have done someone we love wrong. It won't, but we learn from it. And I know you feel bad about it. Here, Okay, here's a question. What do you think is the most important part about loving a woman? I mean... Yes. What's, would you say what's the most important part about loving a woman? Oh, that's a good question. Um, for me, especially with her, was just the was the support. You know what I'm saying? Like, and and it's crazy that I say that because one of the reasons why we're not together now is because we didn't talk enough. Mm-hmm. And I felt like a lot of the support that I wanted wasn't there. But as I as that now we've grown apart. And and that's still my best friend, like in the world. Like we were together 15 years. Um, you know, so that's still my best friend in the world. I talk to her every day, you know what I'm saying? Uh she's everything to me. Even though we're not together, I always protect her. But you mm-hmm. know, there was a lot of things that I wanted that I necessarily didn't speak on. And there was a lot of things that she wanted that she didn't necessarily speak on. But we gave support where it was needed. But I think both mm. of us in our own selfish way didn't feel that it was enough. You know what I'm saying? And before yeah. before we were able to rectify that, it was already too late, you know? We even talked about it like maybe two weeks ago. I was like, I told her, she, I was like, yo, I can never be with you like that. You know what I'm saying? As much as I love you, I can oh. never be with you like that again. Cause there's nothing, there's no trust there. And she said the same thing. She was like, yo, I feel exactly the same. Like she's like, there's no trust there. She's like, yo, we're, we'll always be homies. We'll always be mad cool. Like we'll hang out and do all that. But like, as far as like a relationship, as far as us being together or trying to reconcile where we are and what we have and stuff like what we had, that'll never happen. That will never happen. Mm-hmm. And that was a hard, that was a hard pill for me to swallow when we were first breaking up, when we were first going through or whatever. That was very hard for me to accept. I'm like, yo, 15, 15, almost 16 years. And you trying to tell me that? I've known you since I was 18, 17 years old. Are you kidding me? You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no way. Like, there's no way. Like, did we have to fix this? But then I realized, you know, some things are not really able to fix. And maybe I was trying to fix things because of the familiar familiarity. And and I wasn't 
I wasn't necessarily thinking about my wealth and health, my well-being and health. You know what I'm saying? As far as because I knew, I knew inside that if we worked things out, I wouldn't be happy because I would never trust her. But I was still trying to be like, yo, I want to fix it because I love her. She had the time mm-hmm. to really figure it out while I was in prison. You know what I'm saying? Like while I was at while I was in prison time kind of st- stood still for me but kind of still moved along you know everything still moved but time still kind of st- stood still for me because I didn't know what was going on out there so I, all I was thinking about was getting back home to my wife getting back home to my son not realizing that right. when I came home all I was coming back to was my son you know what I'm saying like I, I really wasn't gonna have a wife when I came home so it took me longer to accept that where she had that 18 months to accept that we weren't going to be together I wasn't thinking about that you know, so it took me a little while, but, you know, as I grew and as I, you know, I prayed to God and asked him for, you know, what should I do? He told me, he was like, mm-hmm. listen, like, you're not going to be happy. Going mm-hmm. after you're not. And you know this, you know this the same way that she's not going to be happy going back to you. She's like, mm-hmm. he was like, right now, y'all are better off the way that y'all are right now. Everything runs smoothly. Y'all don't argue, exactly. y'all don't fight. Y'all don't get into nothing. It's perfect. So that's where we are right now and yes our relationship now is a little unconventional a lot of people don't understand it like they're like yo how can you still be around uh, her blah 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 with all that y'all got going on and I'm just like yo that's that's my girl you know what I'm saying like at the end of the day like I'll, I'll, I'll fight somebody for it you know what I'm saying I'll give her you know my mm-hmm. kidneys and all of that before I give anybody that you know what I'm saying so you know that's that's just how I feel about it but I know that I love her, but I'm not in love with her. And I'll never love her like that again. Oh, wow. You know, well, so. That, that is the, so. like, okay. But yeah, it's deep. When <laughs> I think on this, for, deep. You being, for your honesty and the fact that you're not one of them type of dudes where it's like, no, you have to give me a second chance. We have to be together. Mm-hmm. But, oh, but no, I, don't get me wrong. That was exactly who I was. That's exactly who I was. I was definitely like, absolutely. I had to. I had to because if I would have kept pining over her and fighting yeah. for her to give me another chance, I would have gone crazy. And I saw that coming out of me. I, I never forget. I was sitting right where I'm sitting, maybe a few feet from where I'm sitting right now, in a car mm-hmm. with her, fighting with her in the car. Like, why won't you give me a chance to show you that I'm different now? Why won't you give me a chance to show you that I can make this work the right way this time? And then I, I, right. I tears in my eyes and everything. I, and I'm not one to cry. I don't cry often. But tears coming out of my eyes. I'm angry. My head is pounding. I'm ready to break everything around me. I'm like, no, I, I don't have to get like that. I shouldn't have to get like that. Like, I want to be happy. I deserve to be happy. I don't deserve to be angry and upset. Mm-hmm. And you don't. Des- she doesn't deserve to have to see me in that manner. So that's why I, I had to grow from it. And like I said, it took me a while. It took me a long time. It took me writing music and 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 pouring myself through the music to get through it. Like I had to push through with everything that I was writing because a lot of that stuff was so emotional for me that there would be days where I would write a verse and I couldn't go back to the song because it, I, it would scare me. Like, I'd be like, yo, I can't finish writing this because this mm-hmm. all leads up to the end of where I don't want to end up. And then when I would finish it, 
I would feel better because I'm like, okay, I know this is where I have to go. You know what I'm saying? That's why I say music is so therapeutic for me. It's always been uh, um, an outlet and a gateway for me to, to really do what um, right. I want to do and express what I want to express. You, you know, know what I'm saying? You, by you just talking about this, yeah. for the men who are listening to this tonight who... Because let, let's be honest here. There are men out here who do women dirty, but they still beg for that woman to stay in their lives. And nine times out of ten, mm-hmm. the women will come back because even after the, the man treated them just like down and out dirty. But it is, it's the familiarity that they crave. Uh-huh. It's familiarity. That's absolutely what it is. Like I said, I, I was with her 15 years. 15 years and I've been through everything with her everything I mean she was my first for a lot of things for a lot of things my first for a lot of things like even me leaving the state she was right there with me the first time I ever left the state she was right well no but the first time I ever went on a vacation by myself she was right there with me going somewhere like she everything a lot of milestones that I've had I've had with her in my life so just to think that I won't be able to create newer milestones with her. It hurt me, but that's just all because I, we were so familiar. We so been together. We by the hip. If you you, you didn't see me without Ezzy, and you didn't see Ezzy without me, so we always always together. I don't care where I was. If if I'm on one side mm-hmm. of Queens, she on the other side of Queens. We gonna meet up halfway and do what we gotta do. You know what I'm saying? So that's how it always was with me and her. And um. You know, now that I know that that's not what it's going to be. Definitely. Mm. You know, it, it is what I it is. I myself had gone through something like that with a previous ex, but I won't get into, I won't get into much of that. I won't get into too much of that, but some of, a lot of us have to go through that, through that type of experience in order to realize that, look, we're loved. We're obviously we have something to give it's just not with that person even though you want that mm-hmm. person and the men who are listening to this yeah. you're in the situation and you know that you was with another woman but yet you stay crawling back to the me? woman that you claim to love take note you need to take a lot of note here don't be so stuck with familiarity but you can love a person from a distance and you, okay, the fact that you guys are able to yeah. be friends and co-parent with your son, I find that very, um, you, you guys got a good relationship. And I commend you, I commend you for that, because there, there are a lot of people out here who don't mm-hmm. have that, and <laughs> you're a shining example, the both of y'all, for, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I take pride in that. You know, absolutely take pride in, you know, being there for my son and and, and hope being able to co-parent successfully. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people co-parent, mm-hmm. but they still go through the issues. And me and exactly. I don't go through nothing like that. Tell me about you know, the song. We do what we got to do. And the last question I'm, I'm going to ask is, what is your favorite song off of the album? Okay, so I got two mm-hmm. favorite songs off of my album. One is Love Until the Sun Goes Down. And I love that because it's just it's 
It's just like a really, really good love making song. You know what I'm saying? Like a really good, just like love making song. And, and it, it's very, very uh, Michael Bostic at the end of the day. Like if if anybody wants to know how I am in the bed, that's me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's definitely me. But um, my other my other favorite song off the album is "Tell Me," and like I said, it's very um, it's it's autobiographical now. But when I wrote it, it was for my friend uh, Jamal Jones, who told me what he was going through. So it was one of those songs that um, was very, very near to my heart um, as far as the writing process and, and how it made me feel. Because that was another very emotional song that when I finished writing it and recording it, I was like emotionally spent. My voice was gone. Uh, my heart was beating fast. Like it was like even you could hear the pain when I was in the song. Like it was just like I was spent. Like I, I had to like relax, literally right. like sit down on the couch and chill because it was just like it was so emotionally draining. Um, Confused um, mm. was the first song I did when I came home from prison, and it was literally exactly how I was feeling with my ex-wife at the time because we were still trying to figure everything out and it was like days where she's like yo she wants to be with me and there's days where she doesn't and then like I'm trying to figure out my living situation and and uh, my uh, job situation and now I'm on probation so I gotta figure out how finagling around that and all kind of stuff so I was literally feeling confused so I went in my little home studio in the attic and I put the beat on and I heard it and I just automatically knew I'm like this is exactly I can write exactly what I'm feeling right now on this beat and I remember just writing the first verse and the hook and I sent it to live I sent just that and he was like yo this is hot and then I, I moved away from it maybe about an hour or two and then I came back and said now nah, I gotta finish this so I wrote it finished writing it recorded it and then I put it on SoundCloud and they was like nah you gotta put this out on streaming services like this is too good uh-huh. to just sit here and not be shown out to the masses so uh-huh. that was how that that's how that came about definitely i listened to it myself i was i was i was in my feelings no doubt about that when i heard it because it spoke sometimes with my situations and i'm like oh my goodness like you you hit the nail on the head very beautiful yeah. and problem my next thank question you thank is, you what do you think you bring to the table as an artist i think as an artist i i i brought um real r&b back i feel like a lot of what is being played now is that trap soul um yeah, more or less like trap soul, not really so much rhythm and blues. So I kind of, I kind of bring bring that aspect of R and B back as an artist. Um, I just feel like it's, it's needed, especially from a young guy who understands exactly. that level of music. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, a lot. I grew up in that. But a lot of people have put that to the wayside because it's not popular or it's not what's in but a uh-huh. lot of people have been clamoring for that that 90s early 2000s sound so I was all but happy to be able to say like Can this is my sound this is what I grew up on I have no problem doing this so 
Absolutely, absolutely. I have no problem. People tell me all the time, you gotta sound this way, you gotta have more up-tempo, you gotta do this, you gotta do like, nah, I, I like where I'm at. Like, I, I love the music that I do. Like, I do it not exactly. only for the fans, but I do it for myself. It's therapeutic exactly. for me, so. And, and those, and for those who can't understand, it's like, you know what? You can, you can either get with it or get lost because I can't see you. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. What was a piece of advice that someone tried to give you but you wouldn't take? Your music. Um, I remember one time, and I, I'll never forget this. I remember one time I was about to do a show a long time ago before I really got serious into music, but I did want to do something musically. So I, I was singing, but I wasn't really serious about it. I had a guy who wanted to be my manager. Mm-hmm. And so he said, um, he said, um, I want you to sing. I want you to sing. Um, I want you to sing. What was it? Carl Thomas? Yeah, he wanted me to sing Carl Thomas. And by then, I had already written a whole lot of songs. And I was already kind of, like, people knew that I wrote songs and I sang. So he said, I want you to sing Carl Thomas, um, I Wish. So he was like, that's what you're going to sing for this showcase. So I was like, okay, cool. You know, uh, I'll do that. Whatever. Uh-huh. So he was dealing with the R&B side of um, the showcase. Another dude was doing the rap side of the showcase. So we went to some place to rehearse or whatever. And I just met the, the other guy for the first time. He was like, oh, you Michael Bostick. I heard a lot about you. I heard you could sing and everything like that. I'm like, yeah, you know, I do a little something. He was like, yeah, let me hear something. So I put on the Carl Thomas and I sang that. He was like, yo, that's cool. No, yo, I like that. He was like, let me hear something you wrote. So I put on the little beat, the little CD I had, my song, whatever, and I started singing. He was like, yo, he was like, that's what you need to sing. That's what you need to sing. He was like, I want you, he's like, I want to tell you this and I want you to ever forget it. He's like, nobody wants to hear the next Carl Thomas. Everybody wants to hear the first Michael Bostick. And that changed my life. Changed my life. Because I never went back to doing covers ever Uh again after that. I've never done it. And the guy who was doing the R&B was adamant on me doing that Carl Thomas. And mm. I did not do it. Did not do it. Did not. Good look. He was like, he was like, you will go on stage and you'll sound like Carl Thomas and everybody will love it, but nobody will remember you. Nobody oh. will remember you. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Please tell me that fool is so not managed. It's not gonna be man. I don't think he I don't think he is. I, I don't think he I know the other dude still manages he has his own radio show we're still kind of in contact to this day and i tell him all the time i said listen bro you are literally the the reason i am the artist i am today because i never forget that i never forget what he said like if there's anybody that's ever said anything to me besides my dad it was him who made me who i am today right wow okay i'm just i'm stunned right now like that guy said, oh, you need to start like Carl Thomas. Well, if you don't sit out somewhere. Yep. yep. He wanted me to he wanted me to be to Carl Thomas so bad. He wanted me to sing that. He wanted me to sing some Marcus Houston. Like I said, these are all dudes I listened to and grew up to, so I didn't have no problem singing it. But I did want to do my own music, but this guy was trying to manage me and he's trying to tell me what's good for my career. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm, listen, you know better than I do. You know? So it was what it was, but like I said, if it wasn't for the other guy telling me, like, yo, listen, sing your song, 
Because then after that, he got me studio sessions. I was in studios with a couple exactly. of different exactly like that. I was doing hooks and all kind of stuff. So it kind of blew me up. But at that time, like I said, I wasn't so serious with the music that it was something that I was pursuing full time. So I kind of lost momentum on that, and I had to gain it back when I was ready. But it was all—it's all good though. Like I said, I, I wouldn't be the artist that I am today without those words. Mm, so, mm, mm. wow. Mm. So I need to get my words together for a minute. That is. Yep. <laughs> well, you, you definitely have quite the story and I'm glad that you came on tonight and you discussed it with me and I'm absolutely I'm really Anytime. looking forward to what you have coming next in music mm-hmm. and coming, what you got with um, EDC I'm, I'm going to say yes. I love y'all, EDC. I love you, I love live y'all and no say you too, y'all are some y'all are awesome no problem. Thank you. Thank you so much. And <laughs> actually, Live was the one that told me that you your music has um <laughs> Well, you already know what I'm saying, but we had a good time. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, Absolutely. We're running out of time right now, so I'm gonna make this quick. Yeah, we had a good time talking about your music and yes, about yep. the past. <laughs> I had to. Yep. <laughs> Yep. And I'm looking forward. Um, y'all need to check out Michael Bostick's album, A Love Story. On um, it's all it's on streaming plat- plat- platforms right now on SoundCloud, Apple, absolutely, yep. and got it on Spotify as well as is on YouTube, right too. Mm-hmm. Please yep, check it's it on out. YouTube too. Uh-huh. Trust me, y'all are gonna love what this man is spitting on this on these songs. Trust me, you're gonna have yourself all through your feels. I know I did. <laughs> yep. I just I love it and I love the I love the album art thank you that was Live really? Johnson did all that album art he did it oh, Live shit. Johnson did it all shout yep. out to Live Johnson yep. for that shout out to Live Johnson for that he's retired though he don't do graphics no more so he don't what? ask him he's not gonna do it unless you're ready to come out of, he, he's retired now he don't do graphics and stuff like that no more unless you're gonna come out and pay well, he's not gonna do it he don't do it no um, more you any 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 prices you'd have to get with him to ask him because he he's retired. Lyle Johnson is retired from graphics. Hmm, okay, well I'm gonna have to talk to him about that if I ever need something. Oh yes, talk to him. Talk to him. He you know if you need something he, he might work something up with you. But he, as far as like for the public, he, he don't he not. Nah, All he right. Not doing graphics no more. All right. <laughs> thank you for coming on, Michael. It's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you. It, was, it has been, yo. Thank you. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. All right, y'all. This has been the Chronicles of She. Let's talk about Michael Bostic. Thank you and good night. Good night.